Isn't it good to be a Christian and follow Jesus? If you're a guest today, I'm Kent. I'm the senior pastor. And if you're a regular member, yes, it's me, and I have on a suit and tie. I know somebody thought we had a guest speaker in the first service, but it wasn't a guest speaker. It was me. You know. Good to see all of you, and uh, we're glad that you're here. If you're a guest, we're glad that you chose to worship with us today. Over the last few weeks, we've been doing a sermon series, and the title of it has been Jesus Is. And there was a blank behind that, and I asked you to fill in the blank, Jesus Is. And each week I talked about something that I thought applied to Jesus. Um, first of all, we talked about Jesus was the point. Jesus is your friend. Jesus is here. On Good Friday, we talked about Jesus was good. Even though the events of Good Friday were very very dark in a lot of ways, we talked about Jesus was good and that he was, he was there. And today I want to talk to you about Jesus is alive. Amen. This is my favorite time to preach. I'm telling you, man, if you can't preach on Easter Sunday, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like, you know, the final four of, of, the, of the whole deal, you know? Whatever the final four is, I don't know what that is. There is four, right? I, I, don't, I asked him in the first service about that. But anyway, I, we're not an Orthodox church, but I'm going to do something today. I'm going to say that first line, and then I want you to say the second one. Are you ready? Christ is risen. Let's do it again. Christ is risen. Amen, amen. Well, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today. We're going to look at a passage out of the book of Ephesians. I'm going to ask him to pull that up on the screen for me, if you would. This is written by the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about the power of the resurrection and the power of new life in Christ. Let's read this. I'm going to read this to you, and let's watch what this says. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey. All of us used to live that way, following the passions, the desires, and inclinations of our own sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Don't you love it when you read in the scripture when it says, but God. Somebody say amen, but God. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, here comes the story, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gives us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness to us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. I love this. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Will you pray with me? Father, I, I am so grateful, Lord, for the privilege to be able to stand in your name. I pray, God, right now that you give me the gift of preaching. And I pray, Lord that your word goes out, and most of all, I pray that Holy Spirit speaks to those that are here. And I pray, God, that when we leave here today, we'll be encouraged, and we will feel better, and we will feel more alive. In Jesus' name, we pray, and all of God's people together said, amen. Talking about being alive, you know, there's a lot of thoughts about, are we living? Are we alive? Are we living? Is there, what's the difference? You know, people have different ideas on this. I read some quotes about living in life. Joe Lewis, the boxer, had a quote. Here's what he said. You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. 
Danny Kaye, the comedian, he said, life is a great big canvas and you should throw all the paint on it that you can. And then there's Mark Twain. I, you never know what he's going to say, but I like his. Here's what he says. 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did. A lot of people have concepts about life and being alive. Let me ask you a question. Are you alive today? I mean, we're here. We're breathing. We're listening to what's going on. We're engaged, hopefully. Officially, we're alive. We have the documentation. We have a birth certificate. But are we truly, truly living? What does it mean to truly be living? As humans, we often say, you know, if I just had what they have. Anybody ever done that? You look over there and say, man, if I just had that big house and, and, and it was on the water and I had that boat like they got and, and had them Harley Davidson motorcycles that they, they have and whatever your thing is, you know, you say, if I just had that. But the fact of the matter is things don't bring happiness. The truth is things really don't make us alive. There was a movie that was an, it had an incredible quote. It was out a few years ago. It was called Braveheart. And there's a quote in this movie, and here's what it says. Every man dies, but not every man truly lives. And so the question is, how do we get to the place? How do we get to the place where I can say I am truly alive? I mean, I believe that that meaning, being truly alive, has one source, and that source is Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? And that's why we celebrate Easter. You see, I believe from the very beginning God created man and he created him to walk with him and to be in fellowship and communion with him. We look at the story of Adam and Eve. We see that God created them and he wanted to walk with them. And God is love. And when you love something, you give it freedom. And God gave us freedom and he gave them the freedom of choice. And what did they do? He did the very thing they told him not to do, didn't he? Boy, glad that didn't happen to me. Actually, it did. I am Adam in a lot of ways. But here's the good news. Just as in the Garden of Eden, as God reached out and, and, and chased them down and called after them and looked for them and provided for them, he provided covering for them, he provided a covering for us through Jesus the Christ. And that's the beauty of the power of the resurrection. You see, Jesus wants us to be alive. Jesus wants you to have a good life. In John 10, 10, he said this. He said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Witnessed that, haven't we? But I have come that you might have life, and it's life in its fullness. Whew, man, that ought to make you happy as a Christian. Amen? I read an illustration about a man who uh, had an issue, lived on the streets in Chicago. He was, he was an alcoholic for many years, and he would come to the mission, and, and he ate the meals, and he went to bed. And the last night that he was on earth, he died poverty-stricken. And friendless, never to see another day. But what he didn't know was that he had an inheritance of over $4 million waiting for him in England. The authorities had searched for him, but were unable to find him because he had no address. Here was a man who had it all, material wealth that he could want, everything he could want, and yet he died in poverty. And you know what? In a sense, that's like many Christians and non-Christians alike who live in spiritual poverty because they are not aware of their wealth in Christ Jesus. See, I believe it's a relationship with Christ, and it's that person of Jesus that makes life worth living. And when we see the cross, that's why we celebrate. That's why we're so excited today. Somebody said, man, I wish we were excited like this every Sunday. I said, oh, you don't, I wish we were too. Because we're here to celebrate this special occasion, and he gives us life. 
And the man that wrote this scripture that we just read, his name was Paul. Now, Paul was an interesting person. You know, when you grow up in church, you see these stained glass windows, and you see these people on these windows, and I'm thinking, wow, man, that guy's really cool, you know? Thinking he's a saint, St. Paul, he was. But here's the thing. Do you know the background about Paul? See, Paul wasn't always a good person. Paul was a guy who went after the church because he was on the other side. In fact, he would go find Christians and bring them out, and they would actually stone them at times, and Paul witnessed that. Paul, he was called Saul at that time. And one day, he was riding on his horse on this road called Damascus Avenue. (laughs) Not Damascus Road. And God knocked him off of his horse. You ever been knocked off your horse? And Paul, when he got up, he was not the same. And he was never the same again because you know what happened? When he got knocked off of that horse, he met Jesus. And he was a different person. And that's what happens. Look at what Paul says. He gets this. Paul says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power of the unseen world, He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But from the beginning, God knew this, and God gave us love, and he showed us love. In the garden, he showed us love through Jesus the Christ. Easter is all about God being here for you today and being here for me. And so we celebrate that. It's the greatest story that's ever been told, that God came to man and reached out to us. Easter is a, is a time of celebration. Paul talks about how we as humans choose our own wills in this passage. And he watched this scripture and he says, But God, but God who is rich in mercy. Now I'm going to tell you something. Somebody's rich in something, what does that mean? They got a lot of it, right? If you're rich financially, you got a lot of money. If you're rich in whatever, you got a lot of it. But he says that God is rich in his mercy. The fact that Jesus Christ came and died on a cross for you and for me shows how much he loves us. And Paul got this. And he's telling it to this church in Ephesus. And he says, it's by God's grace that you've been saved. Did you catch that? God's grace. He makes us alive. And God is a God of love. And he's a God of second chance. And when we look at that cross today, a lot of people go, oh, man, I, you know, we should look at that cross as saying, God, you know what? He loves us. And he loves me so much. That's my second chance. That's my third chance. It's a message of hope for each of us. It's a message that gives us hope that that he loves us. And the cross bridges the gap. It bridges the gap to human beings. It means that he has an abundance of love, a love that we can't even understand. Look what happens when he comes to Jesus. He goes on to talk about it. So the question is, what does life with Christ look like? He says, he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in a heavenly realm because we are united in Christ. Can you imagine? Do you ever think about that when you're going up I-75 and the traffic and cars are cutting you off? I don't either sometimes. But as Christians, just like the man we read about, we have a blessed life. We have things that God has given us. He's bestowed upon us mercy and grace, and he shared that with us, and he makes us alive. How does he make us alive? Watch this. Christ makes us alive in eternal hope. Do you believe that today? Do you believe as a Christian we have eternal hope? Amen. This isn't all there is, and boy, am I glad of that. 
The cross and Easter make us alive and it gives us eternal hope. Not just for here, we have hope here, but things that are going to be afterwards. I thank God one day, the Bible teaches us one day, we will gather home and we will be in his presence. We used to sing those old songs when all of God's children get home. I don't think we have any clue what that's going to be like. I think this is probably the quietest worship service you've ever been in. In the presence of Almighty God and the Son of God, the very one that died on the cross. Streets are made of gold, the Bible says. The walls are jasper. The gates are pearl. The most precious thing that we have in this world, we're going to walk on it. How cool is that? I don't think we'll be worried about the streets when we see the presence and see the eyes of Jesus. Do you? Because we have hope. He's given us hope. Look at verses 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this, he says. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We can be made alive in Christ, and we can be made alive without regrets. I like that. Grace is God's forgiveness. No matter what we've done, we can find God's grace and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. You're looking at the poster child. People say, well, you're the preacher. I am. But I've got a story, too. I've got a story in the back 30 years ago, but God delivered me. And it's by his grace. I'm not standing here on my own today, you guys. I'm not standing here on my own power. I'm standing here on God's power. And God gives us hope and makes us alive without regrets. There's three types of regrets. Listen to this. There's a regret of actions. There's a, a regret of inactions. And there's a regret of reaction. And those things can stay with us forever. I remember... When I first rededicated my life to the Lord, I, I would talk to people about Jesus, and that voice would come up in the back of my head and say, who do you think you are? <laughs> and I would look at that cross, and I would say, I'm a blood-bought child of Jesus. And by his cross, not my goodness, not my mercy, but by his grace. You don't have to live with those regrets. Give them to the Lord. That's what this cross is. That's what Easter's about. It's a life changer. It's a game changer. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I love this part. That whosoever. Who's a whosoever? Raise your hand if you're a whosoever. That's right. We're all whosoevers. And he loved you so much that he gave his son to die on the cross. And we don't have to carry that weight. We don't have to be identified with what that was. We can be identified as a child of the king. And that means we get to start fresh. We can have purpose. That means that I love, you don't have to stay stuck where you were. I love this story about God so loved the world. Last week, we were walking out of the building and everything, pretty much everybody had left. And a lady come up to me out there at the door and she had her little girl with her. I think she's about eight or nine. And, and she said, I've been talking to her for the last several months and she wants to accept Jesus. She wants the Lord to come into her life and I want to make sure that it's right. And I said, well, let's do that. Let's go right over here and sit down. You know what that little girl did? She sat down with me and she started quoting scripture. And she said that she believed Jesus. That's all it takes. It's a life changer. It's a, we complicate it. And then after we do it, we make all these rules and all these regulations. And next thing you know, we're walking around thinking we're better than other people, judging other people. That ain't what he told us to do. Come on. He told us to love each other. Because he loved us. And we can be made alive without regrets. And then we can be made alive with a clear purpose. Look what he says as he goes on down in verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. 
He's created us new in Christ Jesus. You are God's masterpiece. You ever think about yourself that way? God's doing a work in you. You are his child. That means that you get to start over. And that means that I don't have to stay stuck where I am. And I can rest in the acceptance of God's love and so can you today. Doesn't change the world outside. We go down I-75 tomorrow morning, it'll still be crowded. There'll still be things when you get to work. There'll still be things going on. But God has a purpose for you. And when we accept that and we recognize the cross, it changes everything. And the last thing is we can live with a clear purpose and, and know that he loves us. I read a quote about life, and this is what it says. The tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to begin. And in many cases, it's true. So we come to Christ and we believe by faith and we're, we're accepting it by faith. Lord, I believe you come into my life. I want to accept you as my Savior. And then we're baptized. We saw that today. What a great way to start our service. With a baptism. To see somebody, a child, come forward and accept Jesus. And when we do this, we are new creatures in Christ. The old things are passed away. I love this passage of Scripture in Romans 12. One of our staff members, one on our staff's favorite verses. And I like what it says because it talks about the life in Christ, living a life of sacrifice. Watch this. We're not our own anymore. It says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I'm reading out of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Watch this. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We can come in here and stand with our hands and stand on our heads. If our hearts aren't in the right place, he wants us to live like Christians. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I can't do that on my own. That's not what he said. He said, let God transform you. If he can raise his son from the dead, he can change us. He can change us. Now watch this. Let God transform you by the changing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. God loves you today, and he loves me. As we celebrate Easter, I hope this year it's more meaningful to you that God loves you and that you recognize that. See, when we met here on Friday, I got to tell you, it's hard for me to do Friday, Good Friday services. That's one of the hardest services. It's been like that my whole life for me to preach because it's kind of a, you know, I mean, talking about the crucifixion and all that. But when we left here Friday, we were like, you know, he died on the cross. Listen to this. On Friday, no one expected it to end like this on Sunday. No one was expecting a new beginning like they saw on Sunday, yet that's exactly what happened. No matter what endings you may have had to face, know that Jesus is alive, and that means today you can have a new beginning. Did you catch that? Because of today and that Jesus is alive, you can have a new beginning. Because Jesus is alive, we can truly live life with purpose, and we can be alive. Jesus is alive, and he wants to be in your life. Do you believe that? Amen? Jesus can make you and I truly alive today. He can make us alive with eternal hope. He can make us alive without regrets. And he can make us alive with clear purpose. So what do we do? We keep trying to find our own way. Paul did that. 
saw what happened to him. We've seen others. We have a church full of people today that testify that God can change your life. He can change your life and give you a new way of living. And aren't you glad of that? And aren't you glad for the cross and what it meant to him? It's my prayer that you find him today if you don't know him. And it's my prayer that you celebrate Easter today like you've never done with your family and that we have reason to celebrate. Amen? We're going to stand and sing a song here in a minute, but I'm going to ask you to pray with me before we do that. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can celebrate your love. Thank you that we can celebrate your son Jesus and that the tomb was empty and that we can be made alive in a new way as we walk with him in this world. Lord, as we enter this time of commitment and the time of communion, I pray, God, that we prepare our hearts, that each of us would prepare our hearts and our minds as we think about you and what you did on the cross. We thank you, Lord, and we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me.